unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Today, um, as impressed my spirit, my God, to open our eyes to something that I have realized has failed in a big number of believers across the world to not only embrace, appreciate, but to understand and interpret. Of course, the life of salvation is a life of growth. It has stages. It has phases. We learn and grow in stages and phases. And so where you are now is not where you're going to be next week or next year. And no doubt is not where you were four or five years ago because you have received understanding. But there are stubborn things that consistently appear in the lives of Christians across the world. There are things that are so easy to deal with and there are things that are stubborn. There are spirits that are stubborn. There are consciousnesses that are stubborn. There are certain experiences in our lives that keep on appearing and because of that we are constantly living our lives like the rest of the world in fact some christians across the world would even be offended in what i'm going to share not because it's not true but because they have been so bent in the delusion of waiting and believing God for so long that they have failed to see the results and answer. And so they assume their own doctrine and school of thought in the matter. Have you been around people, especially believers, who are constantly in question of the things of this life? Some of us, when we're growing up, we live with families and friends and relatives. You're in the house, and perhaps some of you were not raised in very rich families. You've had a conversation like, I don't know where we're gonna get your fees next time. I don't know where we're gonna get money to pay the bills, electricity and water. I don't know where we'll get money to take you to the village for Christmas. And then we can even take it and notch up higher. I don't know how we're going to make it through this year. I don't know where I'll find a wife. I don't know where I'll find a husband. I don't know how I will produce and give birth because I've struggled with barrenness for so long. And these thoughts get into our heads constantly. I don't know how I will build, where I will build, I don't know how I will get provision for my next career, my master's degree. I don't know where I will get provision for my travels. I don't know how. How do people buy cars? I don't know how. You see, how, where? And it's not just one thought in a day, but some of us even wake up in the night at 3 or 4 a.m., and start thinking. Is somebody watching me, you wake up at two or three and you get lost in thought concerning something that has failed to align itself to your life. And you take thought in these things, you worry through the night and then you start seeking God. Some of you, uh, you know, for comfort's sake, you continuously seek God concerning this issue. God, help me on this. And then you hear conversations in the faith like, I'm seeking God for a husband. I'm seeking God for a wife. 
You know, Apostle, I've been buying for years. I'm seeking God for a child. I'm seeking God for a promotion. I'm seeking God for increase. I'm seeking God for multiplication. I'm seeking God for my next opportunity. I'm seeking God for the growth of my ministry. I'm seeking God for, I'm seeking God for, I'm seeking God for healing. I've been sick for a long time and so I'm seeking God for healing. And then they take aside time to fast and pray because a disease has refused to leave their body. And then they're seeking God. I'm seeking God for peace. So they say. Now, let me share something interesting with you. That the New Testament is for the new creation. The Bible says, for if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away and behold, all things are become new. You cannot enjoy the full benefits of the New Testament when you have not understood the mystery of the new creation. Because in there, Paul says it's the ministry of reconciliation to which was God in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing sin, but imputing righteousness. And he has committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Why does the Bible say later on when Paul is speaking to them, he says, and we beseech you as in Christ, be reconciled unto him. Why are we doing what God was doing in Christ? He says, then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you in Christ's stead, be reconciled to God. That oneness, to be one with God. Some people don't understand what it means to be one with God. They've not yet appreciated what it means to be one with God. And to the ministry of that reconciliation, I need to help us. Because some people don't know that that is the ministry of the New Testament. You cannot be a preacher of the new covenant and you're not preaching the ministry of reconciliation. You cannot preach messages that separate people from God. You cannot preach messages that put God here and a man here and you're trying to create a relationship that does not define that unification. For he that is joined with the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. Somebody shout hallelujah. If it's easy for a man to become a prostitute, or harlot, because he's joined with a prostitute. So what happens when a man is joined with God? That's something that not many people are able to conceive. That is something that could bring trouble in the doctrines. It could label you as a false preacher, teacher, or a cult. Because they don't understand that oneness. So, that unification, that reconciliation, that oneness with the Father has given us a certain consciousness. It's a consciousness every child of God ought to bear. And so, by God, these become commands. They become commands to the believer to hold a consciousness void of offense toward God and man. But firstly, toward God. Somebody shout hallelujah. He says, herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward man. Man is secondary. God is primary. It's a life of exercising yourself. It's not a life that you just wake up and say, you know, from today, I'm not going to give offense toward God. No, it's a life of exercising yourself and year by year as you come to the knowledge of the truth and you receive the right teaching, you find that you are always conscious about not bringing offense toward God in your conscience because you can offend in your conscience. It's not a physical act. Like somebody caught you in adultery, no. They did not catch you lying, but you can offend God in your conscience. And so in the ministry of awakening the conscience, there are things that we need to make clearer and clearer to believers because if you don't have that kind of conscience, many of you are going to live like the people in the world are living. In Matthew, the sixth chapter, the 31st verse, he says, Therefore, take no thought, saying, How do you know that you are thinking about it? When you ask yourself about the way a thing should come to you, you have taken thought. 
When you ask yourself about how a thing should come to you, never forget, you have taken thought. So he says, therefore, take no thought saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Where will my husband come from? Where will I get the money to build the business that I need? Where will I get the money to build the house that I need? Where will I get the money to buy that land? How will I get the money to get that car? How will I build that ministry? How will I raise these children? How? When you get that question mark in your spirit, God says that you are taking thought. And here the command by Christ is saying, take no thought, saying. So that saying sometimes is not with your mouth. Sometimes that saying is in your heart. Your conscience is awakened to the realm of lack, inability, ineptitude. So, he says, therefore, take no thought saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? Now, this is what catches me. What catches me is the 32nd verse. And that statement is in scriptures. For after these things do the Gentiles seek. Oh, 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 oh. For after these things do the Gentiles seek. After these things, the people who don't know God seek. So I'm about to define a seeker. But let's get here. That that is how people who don't know God seek God. If you want to know whether a man knows God or a man does not know God, see how they seek him and what they seek him for. And he has said that after all these things do the Gentiles seek. Not some, all. That means they live in a perpetual life of constant consciousness to lack and the seeking of the things that they lack with God. Or those who don't know God, that they lack with the world. And they apply their own abilities, they apply their own skill, they apply their own talent, they apply their own human wisdom, which is fallen. And the Bible says, which is brought to nothing. If they don't have a relationship with God, because it's possible for them to have a God, not God capital, but a God. Some have small gods, little small things they worship. When they go to those small gods and those little things that they worship, that's how they seek them. There's no other way they seek them. They go before these small gods with cross legs and then they start telling them, I need a wife, I need a car. How will I do this? Where will I get this from? Help me do this. You see, that's the consciousness that the Gentile has. Now, we have believers who are like Gentiles, and I'm going to get to that later. But even when they're seeking the Father, they seek like the Gentiles seek their small gods. Or like Gentiles understand God. For after all of these things do the Gentiles seek. That statement hit me so hard that I pray it hits you so hard, like it hit me. For after these things do the Gentiles seek. I mean, as a child of God, you are not supposed to seek that way. All those things. As a child of God, you are not supposed to ask such questions. You're not supposed to think such thoughts. You're not allowed by the Father to seek such thoughts. And he says, For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. He's saying, I know my responsibility toward you. Don't teach me. Don't remind me. I know my responsibility toward you. So you ask, so then why aren't you doing your responsibility? You're asking God, and he says, because you don't allow me, you rid me of my responsibility. And then you take it in your own terms to find ways to meet your needs instead of working under my terms. He says, for after these things, the Gentiles seek for. But he says, but for your heavenly father, he knows that you need these things, all of these things. He knows you need all of these things, not some of these things. 
He knows that you need all of these things. And he's saying that I'm rested in the confidence that my responsibility and commitment toward you as my seed, it not only guarantees that I must do these things, but it brings me joy and pride as the father to do these things for you. But my challenge is that you do not allow me. You don't create the opportunity for me to do what I'm supposed to be doing because you are thinking like the Gentiles. When you say, where will I get a car? You're saying, I'm not sufficient enough to give you that car. When you're saying that, where will I find a husband or a wife? You're telling me that as your father, I don't have enough. You're looking elsewhere. Somebody shout hallelujah. When you tell me that, oh, where will I get food or rent? How will I get this job? How will I get this breakthrough? I'm old, I'm this, I'm that. And then you start considering. That's weak faith. The Bible speaks of Abraham. The Bible says he considered not the deadness of Sarah's womb. And neither did he look at his body. For the Bible says he was not weak in faith. Romans 4.19 says, being not weak in faith, he considered not. You see how people who are weak in faith respond to life. They look at the reason as to why God will not work or things should not come to them. I don't think I deserve this because I'm so old. How will I have children when I'm 50 or 60? How will I have this when I have that? How will I enjoy this when I'm too old for that? How will I have this? That's weak faith. That's weak faith. When you start considering the ability, the potential, the skill, the talent, the circumstances that are available for you, to determine whether God will work or that a thing fits you, then you are weak in faith. But the Bible says, but being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. And verses 20 says, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strong in faith, giving glory to God. You see, he was strong in faith, giving glory to God. How do you give glory to God? Father, we give you all the glory. It's not that statement you make. Oh, Father, we give you all the glory. No, that's not giving God glory. Giving God glory is being strong in faith. Refusing to consider what is happening in your life. Refusing to consider your education level. Refusing to consider your color. Refusing to consider your age. Refusing to consider your education. Refusing to consider your language. Refusing to consider your connections or your networks. Refusing to consider the circumstances that are around the nation that you are raised, the community, the family that you are raised, the people who know you and the people who don't know you. Refusing to consider. Then you just wake up and you just strong in faith. And the Bible says you give glory to God. Has a consciousness. It's not something you wake up and become. No, it's something you exercise yourself into. Something just happened. Receive it. Receive it. Receive it. Something just happened. 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 I feel it. Somebody just entered something. Somebody just broke into something. Somebody just connected to greatness right there. Something just happened. In Jesus' mighty name. Somebody shout amen. So he says the Gentiles seek after these things. They seek after these things. You know why? Because they don't understand God. In Ephesians chapter 4 verse 17. He says, this I say therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk. I've said this once or twice, that it is possible to live like a Gentile, to eat like a Gentile, to sleep like a Gentile, to receive like a Gentile, to build like a Gentile, to drive like a Gentile, to marry like a Gentile, to struggle like a Gentile in raising children. It's possible. To run ministry like a Gentile. That means there's another way to live. <laughs> he says, I have always created ways for my own. But they do not understand the power of this nature they have in me, said the Lord. Listen. He says, do not walk like the Gentiles. Now, let me explain this deeper. He did not say, do not live like the Gentiles. 
He says, do not walk like the Gentiles. You see, the Bible says, now that we live in the spirit, let us walk in the spirit also. Living precedes walking. Are you following me? Living is a confirmation of a place. The affirmation of a man's place. Walking is the exercising of the self to build life according to the place. To build your vision according to that place. To plan, to draw goals according to that place in which you live. You see what I'm saying? The world has a statement, live within your means. You see? Watch your able. Now, to walk in your means is to create visions, plans, actions according to where you live. Now, when he says, do not walk like the Gentiles, he's talking to men whom, when he met, he realized they were living like Gentiles. They were already living like Gentiles because living precedes walking. You understand? Living things walk. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? So when he says do not walk like the Gentiles, he's saying he already concluded, he looked at the Ephesians and realized they were living, their living standards were like the Gentiles. And because of how they were living, they started to plan according to how they were living. They started to build visions according to how they were living. They started to make goals and projections according to how they were living. They started to plan according to how they were living. And he says, the problem with the Gentiles is that they walk in the vanity of their mind. Their mind is vain. They see nothing beyond where they are. It's how they live their lives. They see nothing beyond where they are. He says, their understanding is darkened. They carry no understanding of this thing. Being, next line, alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Their heart is blind. And because their heart is blind, they are ignorant. And because they are ignorant, they are separated from the life of God. They do not know that there is such a life as the life of God in a human being. <laughs> Glory to God. They don't have a clue that it is possible for a man in a body to live the life of God. They don't believe it. It cannot come in their head. Even if they try to imagine it, their imaginations are vain. Even if you try to explain it, they cannot understand it. It is so hard for them to know and realize it. The other day I had somebody saying, you know, we have preachers who are lying to the world and they're telling the world, you can have anything you want. That's not the way of God. And I want to ask them, which God are they talking about? Did he not say, the one that we read in the Bible, that he shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus? Did he look at your pay? Did you look at your means? Did you look at your circumstances? Did you look at the nation that you came from? Did you look at the connections and the networks? Did you look at your color? Did he look at how far you've come and what you've done and not done? No, no, no. He said, according to his riches in glory in Christ. He said it. Did he not say that in Christ all things are here? Oh, yes. Oh, underline. Capitalize. Bold it if you want. But it says, for all the promises of God in him are yeah, And in him, amen, unto the glory of God. By who? By us, the believers. <laughs> glory to God. Did he not say that with him all things are possible? Did he not say that whatsoever you shall ask, whatsoever, whatsoever, whatsoever ye shall ask, whatsoever ye shall ask, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Whatsoever you ask for when you pray. Whatsoever. 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 Oh, are you considering God's will? 
yes, I'm considering God's will. But you see, many people are provoked into dismissing the reality of divine providence because they see it from a Gentile's mind. And then somebody says something so stupid that the spirit realm has no words for it. The guy says, oh, so that means if you want another man's wife, you can still receive them. I don't want to slap them, kick them a bit, roll them in the ground, get them up and tell them, can a new creation do that? Can a man who knows God do that? And so, we have a challenge. Now I'm talking to the mature. As of to compromise and align our consciousness to a less life so that we are agreeable to those who are already indifferent to the spirit of liberty or to deny them which are indifferent from robbing us of our liberty. Paul says, we gave them no place. For there were men which crept in amidst us, Paul says, unawares to spy on our liberty. They came to spy on our liberty. They did not know how to deal with our liberties. And then Paul says, we gave no place. We gave no place because they were false. We gave them no place. And no, he says, not for an hour that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. We don't only do it for ourselves, but we do it for all of them that are watching us. Because if we badge to their bondage and indifference, it means that the next generation will not have the right picture about God. Give them no place. Do not submit yourself and subject yourself to a man who tells you that you have less and you cannot receive all that God has given you through Christ. They think that it's holy not to have. And they think that it is sin to be blessed by God. I tell people, Job, the Bible says, was the richest man in the East. He was the greatest. The Bible calls him the greatest man in the East. <laughs> the greatest. His substance was big. He was the greatest of all men in the East. The wisdom of God was on his life. When he spoke, the Bible says the old stood up, the young could not say anything. Yet he was the most righteous man. So, preacher, how righteous are you? How righteous are you in your poverty? How righteous are you in your luck? What makes you think that you are better than Job? Somebody shout hallelujah. Mm -mm. Tell your neighbor I will not put myself in subjection to any spirit that says that I'm denied by God. For all things in him are yeah. <laughs> the yeah and the men to the glory of the Father. Because when you feel or when you're working to that consciousness of denial, you have a reason to ask how or where to take thought because you don't see a way. So when you walk like them, it means you see that some of your desires as an individual don't quite fit in your plans. They don't quite fit in your budget. They don't quite fit. You know, one time um, I met a dear believer, <laughs> wonderful woman. A certain Irish lady, she was old. One time I traveled through Northern Ireland and all through Ireland. And we went to a very luxurious place, somebody invited us there. And uh, so we're talking about stories about Ireland. And I tell this beloved lady, have you been to this place? And she says, oh, no, that's not my place. That's not my class at all. So oh, my heart was smitten. And I thought to myself, what is it for? The Gentiles? So she felt she does not deserve to enter certain places because of the luxury there. She felt that she doesn't deserve to sit in a certain place. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? There are Christians, they get to a certain hotel and they look at it and say, uh -uh, no, I'm not eating food there. What if they take everything of mine? You see? So who is supposed to enter that hotel? You want to buy a car? He said, yeah. A nice Range Rover and Mercedes passed by. And they said, uh-uh. <laughs> That's not mine. 
and they look at a very old Corolla Toyota and they say, Jesus. They start claiming in Jesus' name. <laughs> Somebody shout, fire! He says, whether Paul or Apollos, that is our revelations. Whether Apostle Grace's revelation or the next preacher that blesses you, that's what he means. <laughs> whether the world, whether the life or death that is in, things present or things to come, he says, all are yours. You can choose what you want to take. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. All he has said are yours. And you are Christ's. And Christ is God's. Do I still belong to God even though all things to come are mine? Yeah. Do you know what it means when you think about it? When you think about the things to come? When you think about the things to come? That means that the next new car. The next technology. The next mobile phone, the next, the next fashion in the world, if it's modest, he says, all are yours. Somebody's already offended. How can he tell people? Oh, no, that's not you. That's a demon. Because I tell people, you don't believe in a minister. Allow me to say this. You don't believe in what he's preaching. You hate what he's teaching. But you find yourself tuning in every Thursday without fail. You find yourself tuning in every Sunday. For me... When I don't believe in what a man preaches, I don't waste my data. I don't waste even an ounce of time. When I don't believe in what a woman is preaching, I don't even look there. There are people I can't watch even if you paid me a lot of money. Because I don't believe in what they're saying. That would be wasting my time. But you tune every Thursday. You tune every Sunday. You even dislike, you dislike, but you keep on watching. What's that in you that can't stop watching? <laughs> so your flesh is fighting with the spirit. Your spirit is enjoying the message. Your flesh is rejecting the man. You see, you're in a spiritual war. Be delivered in Jesus' name. There are people like that. They watch every sermon of a man, but they hate him. That means there's something true. In there, your spirit is fighting. It is receiving. It is taking everything. It's being blessed. But your flesh is saying, no, no, that's a spirit. That's a demon spirit. And we have ways of delivering people like that. I made provisions. I made provisions. You know what I first do? I first catch you there. And I make sure that you keep tuning. Even when you look away, you just find your eyes there again. <laughs> and then one day you're free. Somebody said amen. So when he tells you, don't walk like a Gentile, it means it's possible to plan like Gentiles. It's possible to dream like Gentiles. It's possible to invent and innovate like Gentiles. It's possible to align yourself like a Gentile. It's possible. It's possible. Some of you, now you're reflecting. And now deliverance is taking place. Demons are living. Things are clearing off your brain. Some of you, it's just coming to your head. Oh my God, I have actually been living like a gentile. You think a certain way. Those questions have never left your heart. Somebody shout hallelujah. In Colossians, the first chapter, the 21st verse, he says, and you, now he's talking to us who are believers, who have understood he says, and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind. Some of you were enemies to God's will and purposes in your minds. The Bible says, he has now reconciled you. You see? And he says, in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblemable and unreprovable in his sight. And he says, if you continue in the faith, listen, if you continue, if you continue, you're not in and out, you're believing and not believing. Today you're confessing right, tomorrow you're not confessing. No, he says if you continue in the faith, grounded and settled, and be not moved. Some say be not moved. Yes, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which ye have heard and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven. For I, Paul, also am made a minister. Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church. Wherefore, he says, I'm made a minister according to the dispensation of God which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Now, how Paul says that he had the dispensation in his spirit to give to a generation. Not just a good someone 
No, 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 that's not the level of theology school. And I'm not saying that theology school is wrong. I recommend that all men go to theology school. But that's not a, it's like being a father in a generation and a father to a generation. Those are two different things. Paul had a dispensation. He says, I'm talking according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you. He owned the revelation of a dispensation in his spirit and he's giving them a dispensation. He's not just giving a good someone. He's not just giving a good word. He had a dispensation, a certain, oh, something in him was for a generation. So he says, even the mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is, which is, which is, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Powerful. This is the whole gist, whatever we've been dealing with. This is the whole secret of the demystification of that mystery and the passing on to that dispensation for a man to understand that Jesus Christ is in you now. He's living in you. He is walking in you. He is in you. And you're believing God for rent? Look at how Jesus lived. Just look at how this man lived. Master, we don't have money for the taxes. Go in the mouth of a fish and get yourself some piece of money don't only pay my taxes only, pay for yours as well. The taxes are paid. The taxes are paid. The taxes are paid. He's moving with 5,000 men. And don't know the number of women and children. And he knows they don't have food, but he has no conscience. Oh, now, before we go with these 5,000, how will we get them food? How will they eat? What will they eat? He has no conscience. Thinking that they're lacking food. No whatsoever. It's not in him. Jesus never lived with any conscience of lack. The world was his. Even when he turned to a fig tree that had no fruit, he had to curse it because it was mandated to provide for him. That's how Jesus lived. He was a free man. He was free from the economies of the world. He was free from the provisions of men. He was free from the securities of men. He was not a survivor. He did not teach skills of survival. No. He came to teach us to be kings. He gave a mindset to us. He gave us a certain life of thought. That's what he came to give us. He says that the thief cometh but to steal, kill, and destroy. But he says, but I am come that you might have life. Oh, you might have that life and have it in abundance. Amplified says until it overflows. You'll have it to the full until it overflows. That means you always have more than you need. In life you'll always be advantaged more than you need to be advantaged you'll always be more favored than you need to be favored that's the life you live that's who you are that's what he came to give us that's what he came to pass on to you and I he did not come to tell us you know as long as you're going to heaven you suffer all you want as long as Jesus is with you I don't care you understand that people even have written songs to justify their poverty and lack as long as they have Jesus. Okay, if we get to that place where you lacked all but had Jesus, darling, you're better than the Gentiles in the world. But that's not where he has called you to live. That's not where he has called you to walk. I am come that ye may have, listen, Amplified says, and enjoy <laughs> life. Somebody say, I enjoy my life. Say it again. Say it from your spirit. I enjoy my life. This is come that you'll enjoy. That one day when we are raptured or Jesus returns, 
we'll look back at our lives and say, we enjoyed our life in Christ. The believers, oh, life of salvation? It's not easy. It's not an easy life. Some of you think, you know, somebody was criticizing. Eh? Some of you say, oh, I'm just going to fly and say, yeah, yeah, in Luganda. Eh? Muguru. Eh? Of course. Of course. The Bible says we shall be caught up. How will we go to heaven? Yeah. We will fly. Somebody shout hallelujah. You see. When you read, the Bible says some people twist the scriptures like they do the rest of them for their own destruction. So some of you might get into scripture huh, and twist it and make it say what it's not supposed to say and pray the wrong prayer. You understand? <laughs> I was hearing a group of people that were praying for a certain lady who lost her marriage, that somehow her marriage will be what? Restored. Huh? I'm sorry to say this is hard, but I have to say it. And they said that, uh, what was the name she was given? Hadassah or something? Hadassah must stay. You understand? So they were fighting for Hadassah to what? To stay. But if you read the Bible, Hadassah is Esther. And Esther was a second woman. After Vashti had left. So who are they praying for to stay? You see what I'm saying? Use the word right. Use the word right. Use the word right. Because you might pray the wrong prayers. Somebody shout hallelujah. The first wife was Vashti. The second was Esther, which is Hadassah. So who is to stay? That's the wrong application of scripture. But God has called us to a life of victory in him in him in him so in Matthew if we go back to the sixth where we're reading from the 32nd verse chapter 6 he says for your heavenly father does know that you need these things but verses 33 but 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 seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And he says, and all. I love that in every verse he was using the word all. He didn't say some of these things. He said, all of these things shall be added unto you. All of these things. So no man which is a seeker of the kingdom of God and his righteousness has any need, has any luck. It's not with God. It's not with God. It's not with God. Somebody shout hallelujah. Now, let's understand this. Let's get to the New Testament. In the New Testament, because I need to help us understand, this portion of scripture is written to men who are not born again. Let's first understand that. Jesus is not yet dead and raised from the dead and are seeing the reality of the new creation, which of all things are of God. So the people we're talking to are fallen people. They're not born again. Isn't it? So if they are fallen people and he's telling them, seek ye the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he's saying, you are not yet in the kingdom and neither have you obtained the righteousness of God. When you became born again, now I'm talking to you who is born again, or when these believers that he spoke to after the death and his resurrection, these are men who have obtained the kingdom. When they become born again, they are in the kingdom of God. Isn't it? So if you say, let your kingdom come, when you become born again, the kingdom of God is come to you. When you see demons cast out in his name, the Bible says, know that the kingdom of God is come to you. So we are in the kingdom of God now. We are new creation. Hallelujah. And so the kingdom of God is with us now. So when he says that when you can cast out a devil, when you can speak, have no doubt in your spirit that now the kingdom of God is come. Now the new creation cannot pray for the kingdom of God to come and neither is it in the place of seeking the kingdom. It has the kingdom. Are we together? 
The new creation has the righteousness of God, Romans 3. And now the righteousness which is of God has been revealed and it is witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God which is by faith in Christ Jesus and to all and upon all of them that believe. So you now have all the righteousness of God in you. For there is no difference, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, but they are justified freely through the redemption which is in him. Now, you have the kingdom of God. And you have the righteousness of God. So if you have the kingdom of God, and you have the righteousness of God, and these are the things Jesus was telling them to seek, and all these things shall be added unto you, common sense would tell you that for you who has both the kingdom and the righteousness imputed through faith, you have a pre-configured setting in your life for things to add to you. That's a consciousness. So every time you hear me say, I will never be broke. You know why I'm saying it? It's not just confessing so I don't get broke. <laughs> you know, some people confess not to be. Already that means you are awakened to a realm of lack. So when I say, I will never be poor. You know why I say I'll never be poor? Do you know why I say I'll never be sick? Look at that pride. How can you say you will never be? You're a human being. No, no, listen. It's because I have exercised myself in a conscience that if the kingdom of God is come to me and I bear the righteousness of God through faith, that means that everything that he has promised, all things promised are to be added. So I live in a life of perpetual addition and multiplication. I don't wake up and think, where will I pay this? Oh, it's easy for you to say, pastor, because you have money. But I was not born with money. Nobody's born with money. Isn't it? We're all born with nothing. Are you hearing me? And let me also correct you. It's not the money that makes me say that. It's the truth that makes me say that. Somebody shout hallelujah. I take no thought of what I will do, how I will do it, how I'll drive, how I'll build, how I'll serve. I take no thought. I take no thought. I take no thought. I take no thought. I don't ask myself those questions. Why will we get that? I don't care. All I know is I'll have the biggest ministry. That's all I know. How the land comes, how the building will come, that's none of my business. But this is what I know for sure. That he began that work in me and he shall see took accomplishment to the day of Christ. That is what I know. Let me ask you, mister, what do you know? Because it, it would speak how you sleep and how you wake up. What fills your thoughts and meditations? Somebody shout hallelujah. What fills your thoughts? What fills your thoughts? If you ever get to a point where you are asking yourself how, get this sermon and listen to it again. And if you feel it hasn't yet, get it again and listen until this truth sink in your life. You'll be so amazed at how people every day are seeking what has been programmed to be added to them. Did you hear that? People are seeking what is programmed by God to just be added to them. That means you are seeking things that are supposed to be seeking you. And if you're seeking things that are supposed to be seeking you, then you're not seeking God. Now, let's go back to what I said at the beginning. Somebody is seeking God for healing. What is healing supposed to do? It's supposed to be seeking you. Somebody is seeking God for a husband. What is supposed to be happening? You're supposed to be chest after. Somebody came and told me, Apostle, no man has ever spoken to me. I, I wanted to tell them, but I kept it to myself. And I thank God they have gotten the answer. It's a consciousness. How can they not look for you? It's a consciousness. Your consciousness repels them. It's not them. It's you. You're chasing them away by your thoughts because your thought is faith. It's just misdirected. How can you lack? How can you be there and you think that in this whole world God has created the whole world God has created. You have no property. In this whole world God has created, there is no 
dwelling place for you. The, how big the world is. You drive around roads and see vast and vastnesses of land. There's nothing there. Animals are feeding. Even wild animals have places to live. How can you think that you have no dwelling place on the earth? It's not possible. It's a consciousness. Somebody shout hallelujah. So this is why Jesus was crucified. For speaking the truth. The Bible says, ye shall know the truth. <laughs> Glory to God. And the truth shall make you free. Somebody say, I am rich. Say, I am blessed. I don't lack anything. I'm not conscious of luck. I take no thought about what I need. For tomorrow has its own to worry. I am a child of God. The kingdom of God is come to me. The righteousness of God is upon my life. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Come on, let's just speak to God. Open your mouth and speak to God. Use your language to repent, to forgive and be forgiven, to change your mind, to awaken your consciousness and exercise yourself in the thing you must exercise yourself. Holy Spirit, we thank you because the entrance of your word brings light and giveth understanding to the simple. I bless you because we will never be conscious to lack again. For the Gentiles seek after these things. We are seekers of God. These things are added to us. Father, we thank you because we'll never come to ask for what you've already given us in Christ. For we've been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. That is your heritage. That is your story. That is your testimony. And that is your life. In Jesus' mighty name. Give the Lord a man of praise. If you've never given your life to Christ, please walk out of the world and come to the kingdom. Just repeat these words after me. Because Jesus shed his blood for you. He died and was raised for you. There is no name given wherewith men accept the name of Jesus. You receive that name, your life will change. Above all, that you have eternal life in him. That's most important. The wild things, yes, but most importantly, that you'll have life. Say, Father, I thank you because you shed your blood for my sins and was raised for my glory. Tonight I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. Amen. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero. Make manifest.